Well, Corey, it's great to actually get some time to where we can do this, sit down together. Yeah, I know some you're scheduling space. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's been a been a pretty crazy year launching the AIG ministry here in Canada, and I know you've uh, been busy with the cross current as well. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just hoping we can have a chat and uh, really get people to understand kind of the relationship uh, between the two ministries, uh, you and I. I've actually, you know, been preaching at churches and had guys come up to me and go, do you know a guy named Corey McKenna? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of know him. And he, they're like, yeah, you, you sound just like him. Course. Yeah, keeping it old, real, it more uh, happens the other way. Well, but we'll I, I always do that because I'm older than you. So I said, well, let's get this straight. He sounds like me. Yeah, anyway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I thought it'd be good for people to just get to know us a little better. And um, I know uh, you've, uh, I've known you for a long time. A long time. Uh, we've yeah. known each other since before we were both saved. I think I was 10 years old when yeah, I met you. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. People wouldn't know that, but that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, why don't you uh, talk about your... Um, you know, what, what was the spiritual climate like just growing up? I know you're from Halifax. Yeah. Uh, that's where my wife's from. That's where we met, right? Right. Was that yeah, I would say uh, I'm thankful that I had a, uh, in a sense, a religious upbringing. Right. I knew about Christmas, knew about Easter, knew about Jesus. Uh, I would say I was God-fearing hmm. as a young guy, but, um, but I had this religious experience, but no relationship with God. Hmm. That's for sure. And, um, you know, someone once told me that, um, that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Hmm. Was that ever true in my life? I mean, I, I went on a tear. I, I kind of, um, I graduated through all the, um, all the ranks of, uh, of the, uh, the church I was in, and, uh, and I was released to, to be free, to be a rebel. And that, that was my, my scenario. I was, uh, I was rebellious through my teenage years, and I got involved in music. I was trending toward the law field or journalism or something respectable, but uh, I decided I'm going to be a rock star. Why not? Hey, and so <laughs> you yeah, would have been so, a good rock star. Yeah, and so I started singing plans. and uh, and songwriting, and just it was a really really dark season of my life. But praise God, those seeds were sown. Those those seeds about the gospel and uh, and even uh, even a healthy church experience in terms of uh, uh, of great friendships. And so I was thankful for that. But um, but that was sort of the the spiritual climate, mm. um, religious but no, no relationship leading to rebellion. Right. And, and I would say, I mean, you and I were no strangers to rebellion because yep. uh, through my teenage years and through your music, uh, uh, can I say career? Uh, <laughs> it was pretty short, yeah. But you as well. Yep. I mean, uh, maybe people would like to hear about your, your upbringing because it was quite yeah. different than mine. Yeah, it was very different. Um, my, both of my parents um, had grown up with a lot of religious persuasion, we could say. So my mom was, uh, mom grew up in Newfoundland. There was a lot of church activity, that type of thing. Um, but she, you know, she had never confessed Christ. She was not a Christian. Uh, my dad as well. And so I'm the youngest of seven. Hmm. And uh, by the time I came along, I really didn't understand that my uh, mom and dad had got involved in the Jehovah Witness cult uh, earlier on. Right. But by the time I came along, that had, that had just been kind of given up. Mm-hmm. And my dad revisited that later on in life after I'd grown up. So basically, I, I just grew up going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, we traveled. We did a lot of traveling all over the world. My dad was a diamond driller, which uh, is mineral exploration. So he worked for a company from up in North Bay, Ontario. We traveled all over the world. We lived in Africa and Panama and Cyprus, all over Canada. Uh, finally settled out in Nova Scotia, and that's why... Had a pet uh, monkey? Yeah, we had a pet monkey in Africa. It was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Not a lot of people can say that. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just kind of grew up in this environment where, you know, whether I was taking a correspondence course or going to the local school or whatever, I absorbed the information that the, the school is giving without any 
kind of religious context like at all which was kind of different when i when i dialogue with some of my older brothers and sisters they remember those days when they were having Jehovah witness meetings and stuff like that but i just never experienced that right so you know i was like your average kid loved dinosaurs all that kind of stuff grew Mm -hmm. up and so i just absorbed that whole millions of years uh evolutionary scenario and so by the time i was 15 if you'd asked me well where do you think you know, we came from well, my pond scum millions of years, uh, very naturalistic yep. uh, kind of thing. And so no real, um, you were indoctrinated, not educated. I, absolutely. You had no other option to buy into. Right. There was right. no, um, you know, I don't remember one time my folks actually giving me any kind of direction as far as worldview or, right. or anything like that. So, um, now, you know, people are always asking me this question. I'm sure you get it, get it asked too. Um, uh, of course we can only come from our uh, human experience, right. uh, God's sovereign. But, uh, you know, from, from your perspective and, and from what you remember and what you experienced, what was your conversion experience like? How did that take place? Yeah, wow. I've told the story so many times. And for any Christians watching, know your testimony. Right? <laughs> God has given us a gory story. Yeah. That's our own. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was, uh, again, embedded in a Halifax hard rock scene, singing in clubs, singing in bands. And, um, I remember it was September of 94, and the only born-again Christian friend that I had, a guy named Greg Sullivan, precious, precious man, loved Jesus, uh, he was tragically killed uh, Mm -hmm. on a motorcycle, and uh, he had just proposed to his fiancée in a small town in Nova Scotia, and um, hit a patch of ice, shouldn't have been driving his motorcycle, and he was killed. And I can remember being at Greg's funeral, and it was a surreal experience. My Again, my religious upbringing didn't allow for an optimistic funeral experience. It was very dark. Right. But this was a celebration of life. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, there's something I'm not getting here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not clicking it. Right. But, but it was interesting because, um, because the, uh, the officiant, the preacher, told this, uh, this story uh, of an Olympic diver. Mm. And so I'm sitting at this funeral, very confused, very angry at really? God. Yeah. And he told the story of an Olympic diver, and this Olympic diver had, he, he'd done everything, he'd won everything, very successful, very rich and famous, but he had this, this deep-seated uh, fear of death. And so he would often get out of bed at night, he would go down to the, uh, the pool that was on his family property, he would climb up to the 10-meter high diving board, and he would dive in the water and swim and clear his head and try to get away from himself. And, mm-hmm. and this particular night, he, um, he climbs up to the 10-meter high diving board, and he makes that traditional diver's stance, and the moon was behind him, and there was this wall in front of him, and his shadow was a cross, mm. if you can picture that. And he had this, you know, convergence of the information. He was a kid, he went to Sunday school, and, and um, as he got older, he had questions, but God graciously kind of conver- converged all that information, and yeah. he, was, he was granted repentance, and he understood who God is and who he is, and sin and, and his need for salvation. He hits his knees, he repents of his sin, puts his faith in Christ, goes to bed, sleeps peacefully. Next morning, gets up, he looks into the pool to behold his born-again reflection, and there's no water in the pool. <laughs> so he was on the diving board the night before, about to dive headfirst into a waterless swimming pool, and I was like, wow. And long story short, that's what God used to start drawing me. Mm. He was going to dive into eternity, but he wasn't going to go to a very And good that place. was me. And I was about to dive headlong into a music scene that... Um, doesn't have a great track record. We don't mm. need to look very long in the news to see all that's going on, yeah. suicide rates and drug addictions. And, and so God used that story to get my attention. Mm. And uh, it was March 19th, 1995, that, um, that I uh, received Christ as my Savior and Lord. And um, 
that's how I got started. Yeah. How about you? Well, see, it was totally different for me because I had nothing to draw on as far as any kind of Christian uh, understanding or even experience, really. Experience. Yeah. I'd never gone to church except for a couple of weddings. Didn't know what the Bible said. I'd seen like Christian TV mm-hmm. uh, as a kid. You know, you're waiting for Spider-Man to come on and why don't we got three channels or whatever and you're turning <laughs> yeah. the, you know, remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Know, you're, you're too young, but anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and so really, you know, growing up every now and then I would encounter a Christian and, you know, they're trying to reach out to you. Hey, hey Cal, do you, do you go to church? No. Do you want, do you, do you want, do you want to go to our Bible study? No. And I, you know, I tell people I grew up as an atheist. I wasn't like a hardcore atheist, like a Richard Dawkins or anything like that. I, I just kind of lived my life like that. It was like, yeah, you know. Um, and so if people started persisting, I would say, hmm. um, then I would kind of get in their face. <laughs> and the typical questions I would ask, it's so funny, the, the, are the same questions that I will answer now when I'm going around uh, with answers in Genesis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting questions from people. So I would hit them with questions from Genesis. Uh, look, you believe the Bible, right? You believe some story about some guy who got, you know, every animal on a boat. Well, it must've been a big boat because there's millions of species of animals mm-hmm. on the planet and you don't believe in a talking snake, do you? And all these kind of things. And so I was your typical, you know, I had enough questions to hit Christians with. And my experience was most of the time they would simply run away. Yeah, sure. They didn't have a defense for their face. They didn't, they, I don't know if they'd read first Peter three fifteen, but mm-hmm. they could not answer my questions. And so it emboldened me, mm. right? There you go. Look at these people. No, no, no answers for their faith. I've got, you know, I, I've got science. I've got facts, all this kind of stuff. But my second most common experience with Christians would be if you challenge, oh, you believe this story about this big flood, give me a break. You know, there's never been a great flood. Mm-hmm. These rock layers got laid down slowly. Right. Right. This is my, my context. Then sometimes they'd be like, well, you know, this could just be, you know, kind of a, an illustrative story to mm-hmm. tell us. And I'd be like, yeah, the, the story about the dead guy is probably an illustrative story too. Right. What do you talk? Like, it, it just seemed like foolishness to me. Right. 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 Um, and it wasn't until uh, I actually had someone, you know, that could stand up and actually answer some of those questions. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got invited to, uh, to hear this guy speak. Um, mm-hmm. I knew him casually from business. It was like this non-denominational, mm-hmm. you know, Christian service. And I showed up and I didn't get saved at that meeting, mm-hmm. but he was well-educated. He'd, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was studying to be a doctor. Uh, he'd read Origin of Species and he hit on a lot of creation apologetics throughout his sermon. Mm-hmm. And it was totally different from what I expected. I expected what I'd seen on TV. Sure. So I showed up with my clipboard Yep. Very arrogant, yep. you know, yeah, I expected him to be pounding out Bible verses. And he really demolished, very simply, mm. some of the evolutionary story. That got me to start uh, questioning, hmm, hmm, you know, if that doesn't really stack up, because I've always been a pretty linear thinker. I right. can follow an argument. Um, and so by this time, I've got two kids. I'm married. I've got two children. They're starting to go to church with, you know, with Nana. Mm-hmm. And so they're now asking me questions about God. And I'm like, oh. I have no way to answer my right. kids about anything. Um, and a year later, I went back to hear the same guy preach. And of course, it's it's not apologetics that saves. It's the gospel that saves. Amen. And he did some, some some great apologetics. But at the end, he made a very clear gospel presentation. Mm. He used an interesting illustration. Um, he, he said, you know, he, he talked about God's law, the fact that you're, you're 
guilty, you know, and, and I, I knew it. Everybody knows yeah, that you're, you're a sinner, conscience right? Conscience bears witness of that fact. Exactly. True. And, uh, you know, he said, pretend like when you, when you were born, this invisible camera comes into being and starts recording everything you do and you mm. say and you think and all this stuff. And then when you die, you, you know, you stand in front of God and God's like, hey, Cal, let's, let's sit down on this nice, cozy, comfy couch here and let's watch your life in slow motion, you know, in full detail to see whether you're good enough to be with me in eternity. Mm. <laughs> and of course, wow! I think I've heard you say this. I'd, I'd been a busy boy up That'd to that point, boy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was terrifying. Yeah. I, I was sitting there, and my palms were sweating, and I was just like, the, just conviction was crushing me. And he said, "But if you're a Christian, it's like Jesus comes along at that point and says, No, Father, play my DVD instead, mm-hmm. and base your judgment on my life, the perfect, sinless Son of God, mm-hmm. and uh, that whole concept of of uh, you know that substitutionary." Um, atonement, atonement. Yeah, it, sure. it just it just hit me and uh, and I got saved and my wife got saved at the same time mm-hmm. which I mean at the time we were just like oh wow we're both, both Christians yeah. you know yeah. and then you know you see see some couples where one is, uh, is a believer and one isn't and the, the yeah. struggle there and stuff yeah. and so God was incredibly gracious yeah. um, what and, I love uh, about what you're saying Cal too is that you know we're to give an answer for the hope Christ is the hope Christ mm-hmm. is the answer of all answers and so I, I love that about the answer in Genesis ministry, honestly, mm-hmm. that, that uh, it's always about Christ. Right. The, it, we give an answer, yes, but we, we as one uh, apologist uh, in days gone by has said, we, we don't shoot down someone's airplane without giving them a safe runway to land on. Absolutely. But you know, what breaks my heart about your story um, as an equipping evangelist myself is, um, you know, it's disobedient as ambassadors of Christ not to have answers. Now, I get it. We don't know everything. Right. Only God knows everything. Yeah. But... There is a, and maybe we'll get to this the story I have about sharing uh, my faith with someone and, and loving them with answers, loving them in the truth. So mm-hmm. that, that really breaks my heart that, um, that that was the story because here we sit mm-hmm. and that story plays out again and again yeah. and again yeah, and again that as ambassadors in this time and place, an age of information, there's more access to good, bad, ugly answers than ever in the history of mankind yeah. and we still can't explain the Scopes trial. For real? I know. Amazing. It, it, it's staggering it's amazing. that we're still a- answering the questions, whether they're from Christians or whether they're from skeptics. Because what the skeptics have done is used all these, these things to you know, break down the authority of Scripture, etc. Um, and the Christians have heard the, 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 the questions, but they didn't go get answers. I mean, hence the name, Answers exactly in right. Genesis. Yeah. Um, so it's... Uh, it, it's a daunting task. It, it still surprises me. I'll show up at a church on a Sunday morning and you'll see people walk in and they see all these resources and, you know, they kind of go over and sniff the tables, you know, kind of like a dog sniffing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, then, and then they go in and they hear the message and they come out and they're like, I need resources. Mm-hmm. I, I need to get answers to, to right. for all these things because they, they don't really understand the relevance of what's going on out there. They haven't connected how the, the teaching of naturalism in, in, in our school systems and our media and stuff like that has completely broken down yeah. the authority of the word of God. So yeah. anyway. Totally, so true, so yeah. true. At least, uh, you know, God uses my testimony and, and it, it opens people's eyes. I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I, I shouldn't say nobody loved me enough to, to come back and, and answer my questions, but it's true. Mm. Somebody should have gone, that's a really good question, got mm-hmm. it and came back to me and said, well, 
just didn't, never That's happened. Right. It wasn't my experience. And, so. and what we learned from that ambassador of Christ that you sat under his teaching is, is we call that pushing the antithesis. What he forced you to do is get consistent. Absolutely. That's what we do. Yep. That's what we do when we're, we're challenging uh, people in the family of God to, uh, to be more faithful witnesses. And when we're talking to those outside the family of God, be consistent. Absolutely. And what we start to see is only King Jesus, only the Christian worldview um, can account for all that we see and uh, and all that we live and all we experience and Absolutely. exciting stuff. And I mean, um, it's like our friend Joe Boot once said, he goes, you know, apologetics is mainly for the church. Exactly you true. Know, um, because we equip the body of Christ, the body is strong, and then they go and share the gospel. Amen. Um, Amen. Unfortunately, as you know, most Christians are not sharing the gospel mm-hmm. uh, these days. Um, and that's a real, real shame, but that's why ministries like yours exist. And uh, why, yeah, why don't you tell people how you got involved yeah. in ministry in the first place? Not, and by way of a bridge to that, Kyle, what yeah. you were talking about, your events and people coming in and scratching their heads about a resource table and then getting the teaching and almost needing to be persuaded to get equipped. Yeah. What it really speaks of is the difference between the mindset of a disciple and a disciple maker. Mm. If you're making disciples, this is going to be of interest to you. Right. If you've turned off these cameras right now and, and uh, you've tuned out yeah. of, this, uh, of this conversation we're having, you may not be discipling somebody, starting with your wife and your children or your family, depending on, uh, well, you know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the other thing. When I hear people, you know, and they come along and they say, well, you know, this creation evolution issue or, you know, the apology, it's not really important. You know, I, I don't want to say it to their face because I don't want to be rude, but if you could see a little thought bubble pop up in my head when somebody says that to me, I'd be like, oh, you're not sharing the gospel Absolutely with anybody. True. Totally true. <laughs> because if they were sharing the gospel, they would be hearing the objections. Mm-hmm. But because they don't hear them, yeah. they think everything's, and it's not important. Yeah. Go, go share the gospel 10 times. Yeah. Just random people, yeah. just go ahead and share the gospel and get back to me with some data as That's to what right. kind of objections they're going to hit That's you with. Right. And I mean, today... Um, you know, they're going to probably start with those social issues, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to say, well, what about um, same-sex marriage? Mm-hmm. Or what about the transgender issue? Mm-hmm. Or they're, they're going to, you know, euthanasia, these, these kind of hot topic social issues. And for the Christian to be able to defend, let's say, traditional marriage or the concept of, you know, binary gender, uh, et cetera, where are you going to quote? Yep. I mean, you can quote Jesus yep. defending marriage saying, well, haven't you not read, have you not read that the two uh, become one flesh, et cetera? But he's quoting Genesis. Absolutely true. Yeah. So as soon as the Christian stands on the authority of the word of God and said, well, I, you know, Genesis, oh, you believe in Genesis that there were only two people to start from? Give me a break. We know mm-hmm. that we came from eight men millions of years ago. Yep. And, and, you know, how do you even prove God exists? And how do you explain dinosaurs? And you know, the whole, the whole shot. And so it's, it's just compounded. See, when I was, uh, you know, being, being tried to, people trying to witness to me, I hit them with the sciencey stuff. Yep. But now what the culture has done has piled the social issues mm-hmm. on top of that mm-hmm. supposed sciencey right. stuff. And so the average Christian now is just, they're just overwhelmed yeah. with even trying to share the gospel yeah, the, with people. It really comes down to authority. Exactly. Who says? Yep. And, uh, and really, if we don't build our house on the rock, starting first, first and foremost with my own life in Christ and, uh, and my own Christian worldview, that if that's not a solid foundation, then when I go to now express that worldview, Falls apart. Absolutely. And so we need to make sure we, we don't put the, uh, the cart before the horse. The horse is, this is the is really discipleship. Yeah, this is the really sad thing with, with churches, with, with uh, you know, colleges and Bible colleges and seminaries and things like that that are, that are teaching that compromise yeah. because they hamstrung themselves, but they didn't realize it because, I can give you an example. I meet with a pastor of a very large church last year. 
And I talked to them about having an answer to the Genesis conference. Mm-hmm. Great. We're going to do this conference. We're going to bring people up. It's going to be great. We're going to equip the body, etc. I get back to him after a week. Well, you know, one of our, one of our board members is, uh, is a theistic evolutionist. And it's just going to cause a lot of conflict. So we're, we're going to go in a different direction. I said, oh, okay, well, what, do you, what kind of conference are you going to do? Well, we're going we're to have a conference around the gender issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm thinking, how are you going to defend traditional gender roles or, or marriage roles or, or what? Right. When you've given up Genesis. That's right. It's, it's just, it's yeah. unbelievable. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, they have so. an, in, an inability to drill down to, yeah. to assess the foundation. Really Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, people probably ask you, but I mean, obviously you've got a ministry that you're running right now, the cross current, but mm-hmm. ministry in general, uh, I kind of watched you walk through that, but not everybody would know. So how'd you get started when you, how'd you feel and know that God was calling you? Yeah. To, uh, well, I mean, God has always wired me to be a leader and that's a mixed blessing as you know. Um, but I've always been someone who's, uh, who's led, led people in different directions, sometimes poorly. But, um, but it was an interesting situation. It was actually amidst, and it was truly amidst the loss of our uh, first son in, uh, in uh, 2000 when God clarified a call to ministerial leadership. And, and obviously I didn't know all that that entailed, uh, but he, he gave me a glimpse of, um, uh, of leading people. And, uh, and I always knew I was an evangelist. I always had that passion. I was saved later in life, so... I, I would lean into that story about Paul when Paul's testifying and he's sharing his story and he talks about, you know, I was the one um, they laid the coats beside when Stephen was stoned. I, I, so my story was so close. And, and, uh, and so I always had a passion for equipping people and teaching people and helping people and training people. I think I'm a teacher mm-hmm. in that respect. But, um, but then uh, I have a passion for sharing my faith. So really it was, it was amidst tragedy that God brought, brought beauty from ashes. And that was, I think, where the, the seed of the, uh, of the call to ministry was, uh, was sown and grown. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you, uh, we were both living in Guelph at the time, and you'd be studying, because you were working full-time, I think. I think you were working like two jobs and studying. Crazy year. I was working, yeah, I mean, don't try this at home, folks. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I, I was working uh, full-time at a computer company, part-time in ministerial apprenticeship, I, I, I put back 14 Bible college courses my first year. Five spring, five fall, four summer. We had a baby, that, another baby that year. I mean, I was on fire. And again, don't try that at home, but yeah. you would bring me coffee and uh, you were this <laughs> nameless coffee uh, I remember it, man. Courier. Yeah, I, I can remember coming home from work, and, and uh, of course, you lived right around the corner from the right. Tim's, and I'd, I'd just pick you up. I'd double-double, I guess yeah. it was. Yeah. And I remember knocking on the door, and Dawn would look oh, at me, and, and I'd say, where is he? And she'd point to the office, yeah. and I'd open the door, and, and you'd look up with that look on your face, like, please don't want any That's of my right. time. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just give you your coffee and say, yeah. say bye. But, uh, but it's so fun to hear your story and just to, 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 to sort of... To sort of um, to navigate our history together because I, I just love how God is redeeming all things. I, I think of the background in business and in public speaking and even music and mm-hmm. um, you know the projects you and I have worked on together, totally unrelated to these types of things. And yeah. God has taken those things that were once used for very questionable purposes and he's redeemed them to be used for beautiful and redemptive purposes. And he's still doing that. Absolutely. And so here yeah. we sit, hopefully anyone who's, uh, who's listening in is just encouraged that this is about faithfulness, man. It's just about 
about being yeah. obedient to what God's called you to do. And, and yeah. he will, he yeah. will finish the good work. It's amazing. Absolutely. It's amazing. I, I look back. I mean, uh, we, we first met because of my involvement in martial arts. And, uh, you know, I, I eventually got to a point where I was teaching for, for my instructor and all that kind of stuff. And uh, did that, you know, after my music career, so, so mm-hmm. to speak, I actually competed in, you know, um, internationally and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you, you think of that, 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 uh, you know, conflict has never been a, a challenge for me, uh, like it is with a lot of people. I'm not saying I'm seeking it out, but, you know, you, you go out and, and it's like, okay, well, there's, there's some challenges here and we're going we're gonna to work on some things. And uh, it's not, not exactly the same thing as apologetics, but some people, it's, it's just they, they don't want to withstand any kind of criticism or anything like right. that. Um, I look at the fact that we traveled all over the world. I mean, you know, many people would not be comfortable, you know, traveling all over Canada and being billeted and and having to sleep in a different bed all night. And it's not that I like that thing, but God used those experiences and and shaped me so that, well, I'm equipped to do what I need to do now. Right. Uh, You know, I've told people, you know, you, you take those personality tests and, and you look at, well, introvert, extrovert. And most people would say, well, you know, Cal, you must be an extrovert because you speak with people and you're good. No, I'm an introvert, yeah. you know, because the, the definition is introvert. You lose energy being around people. Right. Extrovert, you gain energy. Right. I can engage with people. I'm out there speaking. I'm on, you know, then I just go. And, and I'm going to call you a supernatural extrovert. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a Holy Spirit extrovert. Uh, absolutely. That, that, that's exactly yeah, what When I'm teaching, when I'm preaching, when I'm equipping, God gives me what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just crawl in a cave for a while yeah. and, and, you know, for three days I want to run it, recuperate. But yeah. I love what you said about, about just the, the discipline you learn through martial arts and, and self-defense because there's a very real sense in which that apologetics and evangelism, we come into conflict with culture. Right. They're opposing worldviews. Yep. And uh, we've, we've taught people for years that um, the, 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 probably the most preeminent virtue in addition to holiness and prayerfulness and all the, and you know, biblical authority and all those things. But in terms of my attitude as an ambassador is to be disarming. Mm. So you think of why we take self-defense. We take self-defense so we can defend ourselves. And the, yeah. the ideal scenario, if you come into contact with someone who, who opposes you yeah. is not to beat them silly. No, absolutely it's, not. It's certainly not to run away. It's yeah. cowardly. It's to disarm them. It's yeah. to talk them down. It's to, in a sense, win them yep. to, to, to the perspective you're bringing. Absolutely. And that's so, amazing. God, again, redeeming that, the, what you learned when you had to train, the diet, the exercise, the these are all yep. equipping. The, the word equip, as Ephesians 4 talks about, the idea sort of behind that, what, what's in play there is, 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 a, is a picture of, of restoring, of, of bringing something from one state to another through hard work and determination and training. Mm-hmm. And scripture talks about training. So yep. it's amazing. I, I'm just excited to hear you tell this story because I, I think there's a danger. And when you're, when you're on a platform, I'm on a platform, you're on a social media feed, people start to think, ah, Cal and Corey, they, they live on the top shelf here. And, and now we're taking this, 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 these cookies from the top shelf and putting them to the place that yep. everyone can give a defense for the faith. Why? Because Christ says so. It's, yeah, it's funny you use that analogy. There was a, a pastor out in, um, in New Brunswick where I spoke one time and he wrote a letter after uh, I'd been out there and he said, uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, he appreciated the ministry and he said something like, you know, you, 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 put, the, you put the jelly on the bottom shelf and made it accessible. And I'll tell you, um, 
you know, I'd been exposed to creation apologetics. I mean, I got saved. Uh, I, I got exposed to some creation apologetics, but it wasn't really until I watched a video by Ken Ham hmm. where everything kind of really solidified and the Lord used that talk. I mean, the Holy Spirit really, I, I, I watched that talk. Mm-hmm. It was called uh, Key to Reclaiming the Culture. Hmm. And a hundred, you know, 120 minutes later after I watched that talk, because the way Ken was able to make the information accessible, mm-hmm. you know, theology, what was going on in societal issues, uh, you know, how, how science, you know, the defin, de- defining science, making it, oh yeah, there's a difference between operational, repeatable, observable science right. and, you know, historical science. And, and we make up these stories about the past. And I watched that, that DVD. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I, I was in Guelph at the time. I don't know why I was home. It was midweek. Somebody had given me that DVD. I put, plugged it in an hour and 20 minutes later, I was like, I'm going to start talking on the subject. Hmm. It was just, I, just like that. Yeah. Ange, Ange came home. My wife came home and she, she was looking at me like, well, what's up? And I was just like, I got to start speaking on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like you. I'd never taken, uh, you know, I, I'm not a minister. I've, you know, sure. I, I, I'd done some public speaking. I mean, when you're teaching and stuff like that in, in, in martial arts, of course, you're in front of people and all that stuff. But the Lord just opened up doors. I mean, youth groups in, in, in town, churches, I, would, I started putting talks together. I got on this show called Nightlight Live. Yeah, I remember, remember that, that show? show? Yeah, yeah I did. And that was, that was more like Great a- Great show, yeah, call-in show. Yeah, it was a call-in prayer show, mm-hmm. two in the morning. I'd, I'd drive down, you know, two in the morning. And it was amazing. Um, there's, it was weird how people I knew were up at two in the morning mm-hmm. and they'd say, didn't I see you on TV? Right, yeah. what's, what's going on there? <laughs> sure, Don't you yeah, sleep? Yeah. And, uh, and it became very popular. And so, yeah, but really I, I, I kind of cut my teeth in the whole creation apologetics uh, uh, area when Angela and I did a small group Bible study hmm. at the University of Guelph. And we did it for five years. So we had students going to our home church right. that were going to the university. And so we did this on-site Bible study. And so for five years, I would ask these students, say, what, what do you want to talk about? I didn't want to kind of come in there and impose, well, we're going to, you know, right. um, talk about the book of Mark or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it typically came down to three things, you know, uh, gray areas. Mm-hmm. You know, can I be a Christian and take a drink? Or yep. can I be a Christian and yep. watch these, whatever. Uh, uh, missionary dating. Can I... <laughs> No, you yep. can't marry date yep. a non-Christian. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that one's yeah, pretty, pretty easy. Yep. Let's just look at God's word. And then it was, how do we deal with all these issues? What about millions of years? Mm-hmm. Can you trust the Bible? Has science disproven the Bible? And all that kind of stuff. So really that's where I, I just you know, got honed through real life experience with people engaging and, and having to, right. to go through that. So yeah. yeah. What, what I think... Ken did for both of us because I mean th- th- this resource you gave me this resource yep. you might not even remember oh I can see the packaging it's Genesis, quite old the key to reclaiming the culture yeah this is a <laughs> this is a CD and this is my second set I burnt out the first ones for yeah. real there's yeah. 10, 10 teachings yeah on I remember here. giving you that yeah yeah and uh, I I think what 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 Ken did for both of us in a very timely season was it was like I, w- I was walking by this table I'm not a jigsaw puzzle guy but you'll get the illustration and there, there's a jigsaw puzzle all these pieces on this table mm-hmm. and I it just seems insurmountable to me right and he basically took the pieces and assembled them into a picture so I could see what I was going for here or right. what I wasn't going for yeah and he took all these things that I was questioning and wondering and claiming and he assembled it well if you think this and it was a syllogism mm-hmm. and it exposed and that's what we do in apologetics really yep. we expose inconsistency if a and b it, exactly then. and i went wow and so for me this resource was it wasn't just timely but it was very very formative for me it actually was the seed resource that god used 
um, to start to um, start to um, to put the cross current together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, theologically, methodologically, this was the tool. I encountered this teaching on here called "Why Won't They Listen?" Reaching a Lost Culture. Yep. And um, and it was a simple thesis, but a profound one in my life that yep. that can basically compared and contrasted the Acts two sermon and Peter as a as a Jewish man uh, preaching to a, a um, to a culture that had the the worldview of the Bible, as it were, the foundation of Scripture. And then he looked at Paul in Acts 17, yep. a Greek audience, didn't have the foundation of Scripture, and he kind of analyzed how was the presentation different. Gospel stays the same. Yep, same gospel. Same gospel. And, and, and I was so blown away by, by this teaching that it actually resulted in us structuring our ministry from day one around Paul's three worlds. I, right. I drilled down into Pauline theology, theology of Paul, and, and Paul's a missionary, and Paul's a pastor, because I was a pastor for years. Mm-hmm. And we came across this idea of Paul's three worlds. Yep. Paul was a born a Hebrew. Yep. The By Hebrew way of application, of know your Bible. Yep. Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul was uh, 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 educated as a Greek. Mm. Know your false worldviews. Know how to engage yep. um, opposing culture. And Paul, this is one often overlooked, Paul lived as a Roman. Hmm. Know your citizenship. Yep. And if th- that's probably never truer than this time and place is yep. we need to know the laws of the land so we can leverage those laws when appropriate and submitted yep. in a way that allows us to continue the mission. Right. And so uh, hats off, shout out. I mean, honestly, this, this was such a a timely and impacting resource for me well, you know, and uh, uh, as, uh, as, a, as a minister, as a pastor, yeah, as I, an evangelist. I've always known you as a very clear thinker and stuff. And, and but isn't it interesting at these, you know, Bible colleges and, and seminaries, how, you know, basically the, they just really don't understand the importance of the issue of biblical authority, yeah. right? And so I would hear you, uh, you say, well, you know, I took some classes today and, and, and I don't think you bought into this, but I remember one time you saying something to the effect of, well, you know, Cal, there's some, some uh, you know, Christians today that don't even think we need the Old Testament. And, and I remember that specific comment and, and thinking, because I'd just gone through this teaching series, and I think that's the statement why I gave you that. Not that mm-hmm. I thought you'd bought into it, right. but I was just like, well, he's going to know why you need the Old Testament. And I gave you that, uh, you know, and so that, that whole contrast that, that Ken goes through, you know, as types, right? The Jews as types of culture. Mm-hmm. The Greeks as types of culture, and that's why his his book uh, that came out last year, Gospel Reset, mm-hmm. um, it, it's 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 basically a pared down, condensed, you know, kind of honed version of that that Acts two, Acts really seventeen, really well contextualized. That's oh, so really good. well contextualized. Well, it, it it's so good that there was a supporter in the United States that thought, you know what, this needs to get into every pastor's hands in the United Maybe. States and commissioned mm-hmm. a mail out to 270,000 mm-hmm. churches in the US yeah. that, that received that last year. And of course, Answers in Genesis here in Canada, we, we just opened last year, they said, would you be willing to extend that into Canada? They did so. 15,000 churches received this uh, in Canada last year. And of course, not only the book, but, but they've also got this coupon Hmm. Uh, code here where they can uh, download two free tickets to Ark Encounter Creation Museum, Museum of the Bible, really in the hopes that pastors will, will understand this, this, um, this contrast, right? Mm-hmm. So Peter gets up and, and he, he speaks the Peter message, you know, Christ crucified, yeah. you know, and, and, and so these Three people, these sermon, Messiah's come, you kill them, God's angry, repent. Boom. That's right. That's and it. they understand that message because they have a belief in a coming Messiah. They know the creator God. They've got the old Testament. They know, you know, God's the creator. He's the, he's the, you know, he's the one true God. They have all that knowledge. They Boom. fear him. They fear him. Right. 
And then Paul goes to the Greeks and he preaches Christ crucified. And, and, and what's the response? What's this babbler, babbler. talking about? A hack philosopher. Yeah, like no yeah. context of, of anything he's talking about. So he goes yeah. up to the Areopagus. He goes, okay, wait a second. Let's back up the truck mm-hmm. here. I'm going to talk to you about this unknown God, some kind of connection with their culture. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. From one man, he made it. He, he starts at creation and goes all the way through. Mm. And, and, you know, I actually did that, that teaching um, at our church uh, just a little mm-hmm. while ago. And I had uh, someone come up and say, well, are you saying you're, we're, we're supposed to teach a different gospel? Hmm. It's like, no, that is the gospel. Right. How do you know about the good news if you don't know about the bad news? I mean, you need to be saved. I don't even know I'm lost. That's right. And, and so, you know, that's what, what he, he gets into, of course, the fact that we now live in a Greek culture. And so your whole ministry now as equipping evangelist, you understand all that. So, so play that out. The cross-current you, ministry, how did, how did you? Yeah, I mean, just, just by way of mission, Cal, we're a local missions ministry that equips the church by example. First Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We believe the example piece is missing. Mm-hmm. In, in modern discipleship and, and praise God that we, we serve a risen savior who came and demonstrated what he expected of us. And I think we have to do the same as we lead people. Yep. But uh, we, we equip the church by example to what we call normalize sharing the gospel in all your personal and community relationships. So right. our goal as a ministry is to equip um, average Christians of all ages to simply open scripture in conversation right. about Christ. And I would say, starting from the very first verse, because <laughs> really, be, I, and I don't, don't just don't say that as an answer in Genesis tag, because yep. we find that if you tell the story, so our training really lands on three key application points. Tell the story, teach the gospel, take the time. Right. Tell the story. People are living a different narrative within which the message of the cross is not compatible. So we say you've got to tell them the true story. It's not just a story. It's, it's the, the only it's story. history. It's history. It's real history. And so, yeah, so that, that, that as a ministry is what we do. And um, as a servant ministry with and for the local church, we are a dia church ministry. We are within the church, helping the church. And really what we do is we equip leaders uh, to leverage our local missions experience and expertise really in three ways. Number one, by mentoring leaders um, for church-wide witness. We believe right. that it's local missions is about us being Christ's witnesses together. That's the first thing. Yeah. We also mentor them and we multiply ministry. That is through training, evangelism, apologetics, gospel leadership. And the third way uh, maybe sounds uh, a, little, a little foreign to some people's thinking, but modeling local missions in our communities, that we can lead churches off-site to actually share the gospel and good works together with their communities. So that, that's kind of the broad strokes. But in terms of how we share Christ, we share Christ within the context that Scripture does. Right. The problem is the culture we're surrounded by does not have that context. Mm-hmm. They're living a different narrative. Right. So we have, to, we have to help them with that. We have to show them the, the puzzle box cover <laughs> and then assemble the, the glorious centerpiece of Christ in the cross. If we're right. just shopping the centerpiece... Well, the, the, the Bible the, says it's foolishness. The message of sense. the gospel doesn't stand in isolation. Exactly. It stands in a historical narrative that scripture talks about. Again, exactly. you know, why, why do you need Jesus? Because you're a sinner. Well, where did sin come from? Because of the first man, Adam, and we were all in Adam when he fell. And exactly. that relationship has to be, uh, has to make sense. Oh, well, you believe in a first man, a first Adam? There are Bible colleges and seminaries that say we came from ape men now. I know. It, it's incredible. So this whole gospel connection 
it, it, it's so vital. And that's where I see the connection between apologetics and sharing the gospel. Because in order to share the gospel biblically in this Greek culture, so to speak, you have to get into, into the book of Genesis and guess what they've been seeded with? Millions of years, dinosaurs, all, all that kind of stuff. Right. It, it's gonna come up, uh, I'm preaching to the choir because you go out onto the streets and actually do this, uh, you know, that type of thing. But um, I know the cross current is, is primarily to teach in churches mm-hmm. how to share the gospel with right. family and friends, right? Right. When you say equipping evangelists to most people, uh, Ray Comfort would often pop yeah, into somebody's sure. head, right? They, they've seen Ray's videos on on TV and 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 uh, or YouTube, and and they see you know him witnessing to some yeah. guy with wild crazy hair on a beach in California, whatever. Yeah, who's more faithful at just sharing oh, the gospel? Just just brilliant. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, if you go to Ark Encounter, the very yeah. last video right. you see at Ark Encounter is Ray coming out and yeah. sharing the gospel yeah. very eloquently. For the ten millionth time. <laughs> oh, just just uh, yeah. man, the guy's Amazing. a warrior. But the challenge is, and we've discussed this, is most people just go, that's so unrelatable. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that Ray's doing this. I, I just feel intimidated. Right. Whereas you've got the cross current. The whole focus is on, no, 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 just go talk to your mom. Mm-hmm. Go talk to your sister. Yeah. Go talk to your brother or your neighbor or your people at work. And and to make it so that it's a normalized thing yeah. in sharing the gospel, Amen. right? So and, and we praise God for anyone and everyone who's faithfully sharing Christ. Oh, However that's happening, yeah. there's lots of ways, there's, uh, there, there, there's, there's so many, if you will, tactics that we can use to do that. But strategically, and there's a difference, yeah. there's strategy, there's tactics. There's yep. any number of tactics yeah. to accomplish strategy, praise the Lord. But uh, yet we find that really this is a question of discipleship first and foremost, that if we disciple people to be faithful followers of Christ yeah. in their families, in their churches, in their culture, we take a more, if you will, inclusive approach. We believe that um, that God wouldn't jettison your witness where you spend the majority of your time. Where do you spend the majority of your time <laughs> exactly. working? Exactly. More than sleeping, most people. Yeah. So we would say, if we can equip 100% of your church to share Christ faithfully, mm-hmm. open the Bible over coffee, where they spend the majority of their time, yeah. watch what happens. And you will always have those folks who want to go sort of their burden beyond. We would never say that's a depth issue. We believe scripture quantifies that as a distance issue. Right. Judea and Samaria, I should say Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and beyond. Yeah. We can equip people at all distances right. of gospel witness, but you're, pastors, you're uh, equipping the average soldier. Absolutely. Let's, let's face it, we're in a spiritual conflict. Every Christian is in a spiritual battle. And most people are just the average soldier. G.I. Joe, general issue Joe. Mm-hmm. It's always it surprised me, you know, G.I. Joe and all these kids would be excited. I'm like, that means general issue. Yeah. They're not a special yeah. team. But anyway, That's right. you know, yeah. but, but, but the average Christian just needs those, those simple tools. Right. Here's this, here's that, put on the armor of God, be able to share the gospel. Right. And then of course, you're going to get your SWAT teams. You're going to get your Corey McKenna's. Sure. You're going to get your Ray Comforts. You're going to get these superhero guys that can go out and talk to people and go stand up in front of a university. And people are like, wow. And that's great. But you model how I can sit down with my mom and share the gospel. Mm. That's what, what Yeah, would right? we ever put Peter on the SWAT team? I and mean, Peter, the foot-shaped mouth guy? Yeah. Right? <laughs> would we ever? No, because yeah. Peter was a fisherman, not a philosopher. That's right. not to undermine philosophy. Praise God he was for faithful. <laughs> Rabbi Zacharias and all these very smart men. Oh, yeah. But you're right. We, we would say we need to make this actionable. We need to make it, if you will, duplicatable because discipleship is that way. Right. So, yeah, we find that. Um, it's like the last thing you want people to say is to go, 
I could never I could do never, that. Yeah, terrible, I don't want, terrible result of I, I don't want people to think that. That's no. why we got resources. No, yeah. you can do it. You can do it. Right? Matter of fact, yeah, our philosophy is we want to equip you by example. So really, it's between you and the Lord. We mm-hmm. want to take away every discipleship excuse so that you can actually go tomorrow. Yeah. You can sit down, open the Bible, and and share the good news of the gospel with someone you already know. I mean, Cal, just really practically speaking, if we were to just take our Facebook list... Mm-hmm and vet out those who are Christians, and we were to start to re-contact with those who are not, you, you would have an, enough uh, contacts, non-Christian contact, to start to share your faith, say, once a week for a number of years. This yeah. is not rocket science, but, 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 but the great, I needed equipping. Yeah, the great thing about it is you're teaching people how to sit down face-to-face, because uh, some people evangelizing on Facebook had just goes bad (laughs) it goes bad (laughs) because it's that conflict thing again but when you're face to face with somebody um absolutely and and there are ways that i i know what people think well you don't know my family well you don't know my family and your family yeah exactly but but we we do provide very disarming ways um that that i've learned over the years through my yes my corporate background but certainly as uh, a number of years since 06 as an equipping evangelist so two as a pastor um that we can we can disarm folks we can we can sort of set the table for a very winsome exchange with them we can sow the seed we would say sow the seed quickly water it for as long as it takes right pray sow water but build your house on the rock. And what I love about some of the things you're saying and, and um, just in terms of laying that foundation, really what Paul did in Acts 17 is Paul laid a foundation, then he built his house. Right. We have some people trying to build their house on the wrong foundation. We need oh, to yeah. make sure that we have authority straight. And then what we do is we unleash the power of God's word in conversation with folks and we allow God to do what well, only he can do. Ken uses this great illustration. You'll see him do it. You're like, oh, everybody knows how to build a house, right? First you put, build, put, the, put the roof on, <laughs> yeah. then you build the walls, and then you build the foundation. Right. It's like everybody sitting there watching the illustrations like, no. Yeah. But that's exactly what the church is trying that's to it. do sometimes. Yeah. Hey, Jesus saves. You know, you, you're talking to the average person. I, I use this illustration from my own family. You know, we had a group of churches in Guelph uh, at one time that, while well, part of this kind of soup kitchen kind of thing, you know, feed the needy and, uh, on Friday nights or whatever. And uh, my oldest daughter is, is serving. And she said she's serving this young guy, figures he's about 15, mm-hmm. gives him his, his meal and said, hey, do you, do you have a Bible? And he said, what's a Bible? And I've actually told that story in churches. And a lot of times you go into churches and, and the median age is like 50, right? Because they, sure? haven't, they haven't captured their kids. They haven't, they haven't you know. Yeah. And, and I remember saying that story one time and I heard from the audience like, <gasps> a gasp, like this, yeah. this inhale, mm-hmm. like, because they couldn't imagine how somebody wouldn't know what a Bible was. Yeah. Third generation non-Christians. Right. Look at me growing up. I, I didn't look at the Bible. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, so uh, if you don't know the times, Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That you're living in, and yeah. you don't know how to share the gospel. You're gonna you're gonna have some problems. Yeah, those men so. of Issachar, they knew their times. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So for me, I I just know that as people are going and they're sharing the gospel, of course they're going to hear those questions, the same questions I I mm-hmm. hear in churches, same questions I get when I go out and 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 step out and, and yeah. share the gospel. Uh, I don't do it as often as you do, but I've gone out on go teams and stuff like that. And guess what you hear? Yeah. Same type of thing yeah. all the time. I mean, we're called to be Christ's witnesses. The word's martus. It really means one who gives testimony. We want to do that biblically and, and with authority of Scripture. Yeah. But, but we find it so vital when we're sharing our faith with someone, maybe someone we know most often, or maybe we don't know, mm-hmm. is that there are different types of witnesses. Right. There's an expert witness. Think of a courtroom scenario. When yeah. you call in your expert witness, and we find answers in Genesis wonderful to bring in your call in your expert witness right i mean we need to know all know basic things about scripture but when i'm out of my league 
we carry tools uh, on our belt that yep. we can now uh, give away a, a resource to somebody to why to expose mm-hmm. to expose the folly of what they believe yeah. uh, the worldview and how it's how it's uh, it's bankrupt yeah. but we do that so that we can c- continue sharing the gospel yeah. and uh, and we found that so very helpful with that that second world of Paul when we we are to know our false belief systems and understand those things obviously we have partner ministries like Answer Genesis that as we are equipping people to share their faith with friends family or maybe beyond uh, that we can have those tools and resources that allow us to, in a credible, biblical, relational way, yep. give those things to people, buy those things, keep them with you, yep. have them in your Bible if you think it's yeah, going to be an issue. We've got all these tracks, you know, where did King get his wife and how do you explain dinosaurs and, and all these types of things. And we have them because they're the questions that the culture keeps asking over and exactly. over and over again. Exactly. They're, they're not new. I, I was speaking one time in, in Guelph and my uh, mother-in-law was uh, in the audience and she hadn't heard me uh, doing presentation before. And so at the end, <clears throat> um, we had a Q&A time. And so people start asking questions and they're halfway through their question and I've got PowerPoint up, right? To answer the question. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. after about two or three times, my wife, my wife said that, that she leaned over and said, so he gets people to ask these questions. She thought it was a whole setup thing. Yeah. Right? Because how can they be halfway through the question? Of course, I know where they're going. Well, it says there was Adam and Eve. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, where can't get his wife. So I'm, mm-hmm. it's because we've heard the questions over right. and over and over again. And the average Christian just isn't equipped to be able to answer those simple questions. They get shut down in a witnessing situation and they're off on some rabbit trail right. rather than asking, actually sharing the gospel. Let me re-angle your prism a little bit here because you're absolutely right. And yeah. from a, an evangelistic perspective, I can remember one young man named Andrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were sharing the gospel just at the edge of a university campus. It's a great place to engage culture. And um, uh, they're very willing to talk, very willing, willing to engage. And I remember very Greek. Um, I shared, yeah, I shared the, the gospel. And we'll often lead in with that just in case time uh, gets away on us in a, in a stranger and street contact. Because if their cell phone rings or their bus comes, we want the seed to be sown. Right. But then we will talk with them for as long as they want. And yeah. I can remember Andrew being a little bit frustrated with me and and I said, well, what's the problem? And he says, look, man, I've had a question since I was in youth group that no one's ever, and this is what he said, no one's ever loved me enough to answer. Wow. That was his phraseology. And and, and I was taken aback because I'm thinking so often we hear this thing, ah, it's just a red herring and that could be true. Right. Sometimes, you know, you're chasing a Frisbee like a dog and we don't endorse that. Right, right. There was something very sincere about the way he said this. And, and I said, well, what's your question? How in the world did Noah get all those animals on the boat? And I'm thinking to myself, that's it? That's your question. <laughs> and um, and I, I remember just saying to Andrew, so if I, if I, if I sincerely take a kick at that can, I'm, I'm not saying that's going to bring you to church tomorrow yeah, morning, yeah. But, but would that be a tangible expression of the way I love you? Because I do love you. And he goes, absolutely. Mm. So, you know, that you've done this. It's the flow chart. Yeah. How big was the boat? How many animals? Off right, we go. Right, right. Yeah. I took 10 minutes, teed it up. Yeah. He was so thankful. He gave me his email. We started a bit of a thread for a while. That's incredible. And, and I think there is a, a rookie mistake that when we don't love people in truth, I know primary context is in the church, Gaius, whom I love in the truth. But when we don't love the, the unsaved with answers, yep. what are we telling them? Yeah. You just told me. That you know, you know before I finish my sentence what the questions are going to be. Yep. And you're telling me I don't love you enough to get those answers? What does that, that thing make sense. I know. You're, you're basically telling the person, look, your opinion really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, and, and you're, in a sense, belittling them 
I experienced this as a non-believer. I'd ask the question and, and they, they, they'd shirk the response. I could tell. Yeah. They were, oftentimes I was like, well, you must be pretty afraid of this question yeah. if you're just going to run away like this. I mean, mm. it's, it's why, I mean, when people go down to the Ark Encounter, you know, and they actually experience walking through a right. life-size Noah's Ark where they show you, here's how you feed the animals and here's how yeah, they, they, here's all the, yeah. I mean, it's tactile. You can touch yeah. and feel and smell and you're like, wow, this is, this is incredible. And, you know, and, and still you'll have people in the Christian community. Well, why, why would you spend all that money doing all that kind of stuff? You could be feeding the needy, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, the hungry and the poor are going to go to hell just as quickly as right. the rich and the prosperous. Right. And, and the fact is now at Ark Encounter, at peak season, they have between six and 8,000 people a day Amazing. coming to Ark Encounter. Praise God, yeah. Praise God, because, I mean, it's overtly gospel-centric. Yeah. The gospel is shared. You know, it's not just, hey, you might want to mm-hmm. get to know Jesus as your friend. Mm-hmm. It's like hell, sin, death, your yeah. need of a savior, the whole shot. And, uh, and so they do tracking. There's about 30% of those people are not saved. Amazing. Two, two to 3,000 people a day will hear the gospel. Now, you know it, and I know it. And this is why pastors are coming to the cross current mm-hmm. to, to get your expertise. Right. The fact is, if we were speaking at a church on a Sunday morning, and I wouldn't do this because you don't want to embarrass people, but if I were to put up my hand mm-hmm. and say, okay, folks, I want you to put up your hand if you shared the gospel in the mm-hmm. last four weeks. Yeah. Not invited somebody to church, not gave them a book, actually opened your mouth and shared the gospel. Everybody put up their hand. Mm-hmm. How many hands would, you, you know, hardly anybody's sharing the gospel. Even if you said, well, how about three months? Mm-hmm. How about six months? And then you compare that uh, even to the amount of new people that walk into a church on a Sunday. How many new people, you know, for, for people listening here, picture your own church where you went last Sunday. How many brand new people walked in on a Sunday morning and heard the gospel for the first time? Yeah extrapolate that over 15,000 churches in Canada. How many people are sharing the gospel compared to people going down to Ark Encounter one day, 2,000 people hear the gospel? See, what's humbling and terrifying about your illustration about if you were to pose that question and hands go up, if we pose that question to the original 12 and by way of extension the original church and no hands went up, we wouldn't be here. Exactly. This is not complicated. That's right. And so what what breaks my heart, my pastor's heart, as I tell the story of of Andrew at the, uh, the university campus is, is Andrew came from a youth group. Mm-hmm. See, we tend to think of, of the culture as sort of over here and the church is here and yeah. never the two shall meet. No, the difficult reality we're faced with is, is gospel health isn't even happening in households. That's right. Our first priority is our household, our own family, because we believe healthy marriages produce healthy families. Our church is a household of households. Yeah. And from there, healthy Churches now engage culture in a gospel healthy way, but this is a discipleship issue at its core, Cal. And so yeah. I just love the fact that as, as partner ministries, that we are, we, are, um, we are on mission together, we are using the gifts God's given us, we are working together to equip the church to engage the culture, which is really the whole point. And we just believe that as healthy churches gather together, they worship together, healthy worship inspires healthy witness. Yep. That's what this is all about. Absolutely. Getting the church to be bold and biblical so that they will boldly and biblically engage a lost culture. That's mm-hmm. what we're here for. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this for so long, known each other for so long. Um, if there were, if, if, if someone were to approach me and just say, you know, what do you think churches should be doing? Mm-hmm. I, I'd say there's three things that need to occur in a big picture sense. Um, number one, you need to get your people equipped 
on the concept of biblical authority. I mean, that's really the message of Answers in Genesis. Mm -hmm. It's not, we're going to argue about the age of the earth. It's not, we're going to talk about, oh yeah, we're going to talk about those things. But the concept is, Christians need to stand on the authority of the word of God. What mm -hmm. God's word says has the ultimate authority. That's where you build your foundation. That's where your whole you know, build your house analogy comes from, right? You have to get people to understand. And to do that, they need to go through this exercise of being taught apologetics, how to answer those questions. Once you get someone firm in their faith, then they need some training into how to open their mouth and share the gospel. Because right. I've said to, to pastors, look, most Christians, even if you gave them a, a, a willing victim, so to speak, or, or somebody was open to hearing the gospel, like somebody who's not antagonistic. Okay, here's Joe. He, he, he's actually interested. He wants to know about Christianity. Right. Take the average person and uh, yeah. uh, they just stumble all over them. They don't, it's not even normal to share the gospel with yeah. people. And then the third thing that needs to happen is Christians need alternatives mm -hmm. for educating their young people because mm -hmm. our young people are being bled out to church like right. crazy, just like this fellow. He was in youth group, never got answers, etc. Right. So, you know, whether it's um, our Answers Bible curriculum, for example, right. over 10,000 churches using that four-year comprehensive, uh, it's not just Genesis, it's from Genesis to Revelation, it's a Bible curriculum, it's got apologetics built in, there could be a, an, an option. We've got this fantastic VBS program, brand new that comes out all the time, whether it's um, our homeschooling curriculum that's going to come out, right? Some, mm -hmm. a lot of Christians choosing to homeschool. Or, you know, perhaps a lot of churches now are even investigating having a, a school in their own church, right. just the way the church was in, in the beginning. But people need to have access to those things because the average Christian just goes, well, this is what you do. You just send your kids off to, to right. this school. And, and whatever way you, you decide to educate your kids, if they don't have some kind of equipping and training and, and, and that mm. type of thing, I'll tell you a great, great thing. This just happened yesterday. Um, you know, we do these apologetics boot camps. Yeah. I've been spearheading these yeah. for, for a couple of years now. So our answers boot camp last year, one of the mentors we had was a young man who had gone to my, uh, my camps over the years, been equipped, and he's now studying to be a doctor. So he's in Praise God, yeah, yeah Brock great. University yeah. and bold in, in evangelism. Just great. Well, you're always at our camps, so he, he knows how to share the gospel. Yep. And he sends me a picture yesterday and he just says second year evolution class, um, so mad and it was a picture of heckles embryos he'd taken he was being serious? lectured to yesterday in in a in a very you know prominent university and his professor was using heckles drawings now if people don't know about that they can look it up on the edgy site but of course it's completely mm -hmm. fraudulent and this young man uh, he, he's just, he, he's got answers in Genesis bookmarked on his, on his device. So he, if he comes up against something he doesn't understand, he can just look it up. Oh, he gets answers. Sure. Right. And all that stuff, but very bold in his, in his evangelism and stuff. And just a great example of a young person being equipped, Amazing. being trained up. This is like water off a duck's back now. And he's witnessing to the other students mm -hmm. in the class saying, yep. by the way, do you know that's completely fraudulent? What? Yeah. Do you think he has good witnessing conversations and he knows how to open his mouth and he's... Yeah, as you talk that way, Cal, I mean, my teaching mind processes that yeah. and, and, and sort of to plant that in scripture, uh, what you've said, yes and amen, that we would, we would liken, liken these things to house building, seed sowing, and probably a discipleship system to help others accomplish the same thing. Right. So house building is a lot like apologetics. Mm -hmm. Really what happens is I'm building my house on the rock. I, I, am, I am systematically, yes, I'm giving answers. That's really the heart of the, of the passage of 1 Peter 3. But it's also me thinking Christianly. It's, it's me thinking 
with a biblical worldview and processing and be able to, to filter things a certain way and building my house on the rock. But then I sow the seed of the gospel and I water that seed and I pray that through. But then we need some discipleship system yep. to, to equip others to do the same thing. So as a ministry, what we found to be very fruitful is mentoring leaders within churches to think through all of these things in a healthy gospel-centered way. Yep. And so you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's such an urgent need that we get to leaders because that's God's, God's ordained structure. We help leaders, we mentor leaders, we work with leaders, and then what happens is they set that example, which really is, is permeated through their, their entire assembly, their entire church, and then the lava flow engages culture. It's like yep. the book of Acts. Yep. I mean, they weren't a perfect church, but we saw that they were fitly framed together. They were breaking bread together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And as the discipleship was happening and the gospel health was increasing, what went beyond that is the explosive growth of the church because discipleship will inspire evangelism. Right. But what we're talking about, and this is maybe a curveball for some folks, is this is discipleship. Mm-hmm. We're talking discipleship. And yeah. so that really, it's always about discipleship. So we disciple people to be evangelistic. We disciple people to be more biblical dads or moms or students. We disciple people, and then what happens is witness happens, but it happens biblically. It's interesting to to hear you go right back to the first of our conversation where you said you grew up in a a religious kind of atmosphere, but it bred rebellion because you were probably never taught yeah, well, you shouldn't dress a certain way. Why shouldn't I dress a certain way? Right. Why do we even wear clothing? That's right. Oh, because of Genesis where the first man, Adam, fell and God uh, clothed them by sacrificing an animal. Like all those concepts, right? Oh, well, it's, it should be a man and a woman. Why should it be a man yeah. and a woman? Why can't it be something else? And all these young people in, in churches that never get answers, they just get morality imposed right. on them. They, you should do this. Why should we do this? Everybody else is doing different stuff. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to yeah. them. And, and so, so it surprises uh, folks to learn that all of our theology, directly or indirectly, finds its origin in Genesis 1 to 11. Absolutely. All, yeah. all, virtually every jot and tittle is right there. Yeah. And so you're right. So, in order for us to think biblically when we're confronted with an issue, because some things are not quite so binary in Scripture, there are things that are very black and white. But you mentioned earlier about Christian freedom. Yeah navigating scripture requires a robust biblical worldview which starts in Genesis because that's where the theology is. How how do you get out from under that? So it's very sad to hear young people or old people who just, they can't navigate the issues. They're so powerless to engage culture because they, they can't, open the Bible yep. and and biblically explain, because we believe the idea of explain and expose. This is what we teach. So we explain the Christian worldview from Scripture yep. in a winsome, appropriate way. We invite them to explain from their Bible, <laughs> their worldview, whatever yeah. their authority is. And yep. what happens is we expose one is true and one's one false. is false. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's just... That's a simple pattern of apologetics. We see Paul with Agrippa mm-hmm. uh, practicing those things. And so... Um, it's exciting that there are so many tools and resources available yeah. to accomplish uh, these objectives. Let, let's, let's create a soundbite here for people, sure. for pastors and, and church leaders. Um, so let me get this straight. If I'm a pastor of a church in Canada, I can contact the CrossCurrent and you will actually help uh, uh, do, do a diagnostic of our, of our ministry, what we're doing for outreach, uh, what the evangelistic health of the ministry is, so to speak. Um, and then you're actually going to come in and you've got a three-year program to help us set up a whole atmosphere of, of introducing the, the uh, 
evangelism and, and getting people to share that. You're going to mentor someone within our church to raise them up. Is that, is that basically what? Are we talking to pastors right now? Yes, talking great. to pastors. Yeah. So, so the term I would throw out, it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's a great one, is ecclesiological missiology, the idea of wow. our church on mission together. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, what we can do and will do is we, we desire to help pastors and leaders increase gospel health. That mm-hmm. requires some assessment. It requires strategy leading to tactics, all those good things. Yep. But ecclesiological missiology says, if we will be biblical on mission together, then the church will grow biblically. Right. And so, yeah, we can come in, we can we can mentor leaders to multiply ministry church-wide. Yep. Um, uh, we can also um, multiply more ministry through training and through partner ministries like yourselves that yep. we would strongly advise people to uh, uh, to bring in. And, and then we can model local missions. I think that third leg of the stool is so lacking that, that a lot of people have a very theoretical expression of Christian faith. They've never seen the power of God's word. I would totally agree so with we're, you. So we're not, we're not all hung up on street preaching necessarily, but mm-hmm. we would say as, as leaders, do you pastor, do you elder, do you have a biblical way that the Christians under your pastoral care can hear other Christians sharing the gospel with non-Christians in real time? Because it's so theoretical, isn't it? You know, it was I, in my life. I, I'm it not, was in my life. You know, I'm not bashing Christian leadership. I'm just saying that I truly believe there are many leaders standing up on stage saying, hey, you need to share the gospel. But if they were asked to put up their hand, whether they'd shared the gospel yeah, that was in me. the last four weeks, in the last three months, it, it, then they weren't doing it either. So it's kind of like, how do we equip an army if nobody's actually gone to battle? And I haven't actually even practiced a- a- any, anything. I mean, it's, it's that was that yeah. what you just said. So uh, here's a quick illustration, and, and and I don't think it's something that we really planned on chatting about. But um, but when I was uh, younger, significantly younger, I investigated buying a tiger. I love tigers. White tigers are my favorite. I've heard the story. I love the story. Yeah, yeah. And, and so um, and so I came across some information on this, and uh, it was heavy lifting to get to the information, but. Generally speaking, what happens in my research is that the kitten's taken from its mother, it's raised around your family, becomes very domesticated, very safe, really has no idea what it is. Yeah. It's like a, some version of a dog. And Thinks it's it a person or something. Right, yeah. but the warning on the label of the, of, the, of the tiger is basically this, that if that animal ever so much as sees another tiger, what's, what, what's awoken in that animal is what it is, what it was created, its identity is, is, is embedded, it's an instinct, and it will turn on you yep. and, and could kill you. It realizes its potential. It realizes potential. So, so when I was first exposed uh, through a, a precious saint by the name of Tony, call him Tony the Tiger, uh, he was a policeman and uh, he was a LAPD deputy sheriff for years. When I saw Tony do what Tony did and share his faith and biblically give a defense and pray for people and love on people and just yeah. be a witness, um, I, I, all of a sudden I saw a tiger. Yeah. And I went, wait a second, that's me. Yeah. I'd just never seen one. Right. In an illustrative sense, I personally had been sort of clucking with the chickens, as it were. That's not an indictment on any particular person. Yeah. That was just my experience. Yeah. So what our ministry is hoping to do by way of mentorship is training up tigers. Yeah. Tigers in evangelism, tigers in apologetics, tigers in, in marriage. We believe that churches need more tigers. Yeah. So to your point, I was that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I was the guy who was teaching it, preaching it, but wasn't doing it. And I, I'm Russian Irish, so I was just stubborn enough to get to go somewhere and learn. And honestly, and I just yeah. thank God that someone took me by the hand and showed me 
how to be Christ's witnesses together because I just never experienced that. I was at a pastor's conference last year. So, I don't know, three-day conference. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm manning the AIG booth. We were just kicking off last year. And so, you know, pastors would come up and, oh, what's this ministry? And you'd engage, oh, apologetics and all this stuff. And I remember, you know, you're saying the same thing over and over. You've done this kind of thing, right? We're here behind a table and you're saying the same thing over and over. And, and you see this glazed look on their face. And so finally this one pastor is like, oh, yeah. And I said, okay. I said, pastor, I'm, I'm one of your youth. I come to you in youth group, explain dinosaurs in the Bible. And he looked at me, uh, uh, I said, that's what our ministry does. You can't answer the question, he's gonna go get answers. Guess where he's gonna go get answers? He's gonna go get answers from secular uh, you know, education. Yeah, and they're gonna teach answer million, the question. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> millions of years ago. They, that's right, they, at least they have an answer. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, and so we, we engage. 15 minutes later, another pastor. Same type of thing. Oh yeah, it's not. Really, I said, I'm a, I'm a, one of you, and and that was just your script. Yep. and and it's just amazing how many leaders, because again, I think they're insulated. They're not out there in the culture. Mm -hmm. They're not engaging the culture, uh, and so then the, these questions don't really come up. Oh, it's mm -hmm. not really that important. Maybe right. God used millions of years. Right. Maybe God used evolution, and and it just you know falls. So by one the assignment we give folks that I think is very practical, Cal, is, yep. is we would say. Um, go find someone who's in your life today. This is not someone who's not a Christian, yep. who's hopefully sort of the millennial age, maybe 35 or under, and get to know them. Ask them all these questions. Get to understand yeah. how they think. So now you actually have a, a living example yep. of, the, of the gap between what you think is going on and what's really going on. Right. Just go find it. Go. Maybe this is a you'll, cousin. You'll or a, figure out it's a Greek culture yeah, pretty fast, won't absolutely. you? Absolutely, yeah. but what, what a wonderfully relational way to connect with the culture around you. Just just make a friend, go talk, take them out for coffee. Absolutely. And get to know them and how they think because it's going, it's a, it'll be a showstopper. Absolutely. They've been so, to quote the book, Greek eyes in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So of course, uh, Answers in Genesis, uh, we're available here in Canada now and uh, I'm doing speaking all over Canada. Uh, we're pulling up some of the US speakers uh, here. We're trying to raise up some uh, PhD staff here in, uh, in Canada as well. But uh, things are going well with the mail out of this book. Um, I've been kind of left with the daunting task now of following up with 15,000 churches, which is uh, pretty overwhelming. But what we're doing, of course, is launching this Gospel Reset Conference uh, initiative all over Canada. Mm -hmm. And we've got many of those in play right now, which is great. You're going to be invited to uh, to be at the conferences as mm -hmm. well, so people can come and meet you there. Yeah, that'd be great. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. We're just really trying to you know access larger venues and then pull in the smaller churches. The average church in Canada has got maybe 70, 80 people in, right. the, in the congregation. Uh, it's a little bit different from the U.S. They're kind of in la-la land down there still, yeah. where the, you know churches yeah. are 5,000, 10,000, and, yeah. and so on. But uh, yeah, that's going to be great. So And then... Pastors can get a hold of you uh, through your website. Yeah, thecrosscurrent.com on Facebook is at Keeping the Cross Current. And uh, we just say from the heart, Canada needs Christ. Yep. You and I both know that. And so uh, if folks want to, uh, to learn how to equip their church to engage their culture in all the ways that we've chatted about, we'd yep. love to, uh, to sit down for a cup of coffee uh, with a leadership team and just um, help them understand how we can, how we can be helpful. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, you know, we'll have to do this again. I That'd coined, be great. I, I, a friend of mine actually coined this phrase, great conversations, gospel, relevance, evangelism, apologetics, training. And so uh, we had a great conversation here today. Conversation. And we can, uh, we can do it again. So Amen. Thanks.